Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome. 
Welcome to Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters that are now available to watch at home on streaming services. Every month we dig into the archives and watch a film that was a trailer pick. You can get access to the Satmat shows where we currently do our trailer picks at patreon.com slash the next reel. It's a great way to get an overview of everything we do here at the next reel. JJ, today we're talking about The Edge of 17. Yes, we are. This one goes back a ways. This was Andy's pick from August 10th, 2016. So pre, pre Satmat, it was uh, actually the uh, Children of Men episode, I think, when Andy picked this one. Yes. So today, uh, May 14th, 2019, Edge of 17 is available on Netflix. So yeah, back in 2016, uh, Edge of 17 was released in theaters on November 18th. And it stayed in theaters until January 5th. So very short time, I guess, maybe hitting the kids on winter break or Christmas break. Uh, Pulled in about 14 million in the U.S. and an additional four and a half million internationally. It was available for streaming purchase, like on iTunes and other digital services, later that same January and hit Blu-ray and DVD on Valentine's Day 2017. Got it. It didn't become straight. It didn't become available streaming on Netflix until just this February 2019. So a good two years there out uh, on DVD and you know digital before hitting streaming. As far as I know, this is the first time it's now it's I streaming didn't service. I think it was that old. I felt like I was remembered it like in the recent history, but that's. Yeah, three years. Wow, that's amazing. I, I felt the exact same way. I thought, oh, this must have just been like last year or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's been several years, uh, but it, it still feels fresh to me. Um, so much. Andy said that uh, back in 2016 that it was his time to watch a movie like this before his daughter got older and hit those teen years. And if you've been listening to this at Matt's, I think we see that he is fully into that teenagerdom at his household there. Uh, and the, the, he thought yeah. this was going to be maybe a lesson movie for him. Uh, but he said it hit all the right places for him. You know, the, the bitingly funny yet dark felt, you know, just like reality. Um, and Pete said he felt like that it was clearly channeling the darkness of being a teenager. And I believe he was speaking from experience of having one at home as well at that point yes. and i know yes. i know i do i've got two of them uh well one's actually out of the house now but yeah i think i this is an interesting one to see as a parent of teenagers because i can reflect on what my memories of high school were like but then i have to look at this from the perspective of the parents in the film and am i that type of parent yeah and, and there's not i mean <laughs> If Andy was thinking it's a lesson movie, and, and if you're thinking that, it, there's, it's really not about the parents. There's not a whole lot of things you can learn as a parent by watching this movie. This is a movie that's really focused on the teens, I think. So uh, what, what did you think of this one? I really liked it. I, I was really impressed with the script and the dialogue in particular. I, was, uh, I thought they, and then the actors in their delivery of it too, it was complicated emotionally because there was so much sarcasm and wry humor and a lot of sort of fake outs that were they needed to portray an emotion and then sort of reel it back very quickly because they tried to do this sort of awkward teenage thing and i felt like every actor did it and even though 
uh, well, I guess three years ago. Let's see. Um, Haley Steinfeld was 19 three years ago. Um, so she was still uh, yeah. a teen at that time. Um, but some of the actors are much older <laughs> playing teens. Yes. So it's, it's, it was impressive what they did. And I think that the script was great. I, there was some innovative camera in spots too, some thoughtful camera that didn't, wasn't sort of overly uh, artistic, but did very simple things that demonstrated uh, camera art in a very special way that I, that I always grab on. Um, in, in general, I, I, I think it's a really, really good movie and really strong, a lot stronger than I would have expected. Yeah, going I, I think thoughts? this one I was expecting, well, typically with, with teen movies, you're, you get more of the comedies and this one does, ha- I mean, it has its comic moments, but it then, really to me balances that out with the drama of everything that is going on with Nadine. Yeah, this and is I a think dramedy we get that. for sure. Yeah. Yes. I think we're full on in, in dramedy and it is that, you know, the other side of, of humor is the tragedy of things. And Nadine is walking that line back and forth. And I wasn't sure what to make of the setup of this because when you start a movie and then you immediately go back to, well, let me tell you how things started. And I thought, oh, do we need to use this device? Do we really need to set this up with Nadine walking into her teacher's classroom and talking about how she's going to kill herself? And then, oh, well, how did we get here? And I I don't know that that's necessary in this movie to, to create the artificial tension or, or drama that we now have to do. So now we have a reason to be invested. I think Nadine is an interesting enough character and the setup that we get through the flashbacks of not having a friend and, and finding that that close friend when she's in what, like second grade and then losing her father and everything falling apart for her then. That happens, I think, in such a compressed way that I didn't need that early setup of, oh, Nadine's life is so horrible. She's talking to her teacher about suicide. How, how did you feel about that pivot. Well, I forgot actually until it came back to us, you know, I didn't even Mm -hmm. realize that it was kind of flashback or however you want to see it. Cause I, I just, because of what you're saying, I became so invested in the characters and I think actually that's a tribute to the actors. Um, I think it may have been written with this particular convention, not knowing what they were going to get when they put everything together. The budget for the film was $9 million. This, they have a great yeah. cast and they performed spectacularly well. Um, and I think, I think maybe they didn't have a sense of how compelling Nadine was going to be, but Haley Steinfeld was pretty much pitch perfect. She could have been a little, a little bit more uh, over the top in places, but she was great. And I was invested in her extremely early and then putting her in with Haley Lou Richardson as they just start to sort of create that outsider, but important bond friendship. I was bought in the entire time. So I think for the reasons you're mentioning, I totally get why it feels out of place. But that being said, I had forgotten that it was happening. And when it came back, it wasn't a bother to me, but I, th- I agree with you. I don't think it's necessary because the actors were so good in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's not something that takes away from it. But when, now that I'm aware of it, I thought, Oh, don't shortchange yourself. You, That's you didn't need it. Um, it is nice when it comes back to it, you're like, Oh yes. Okay. Cause it is, you know, fairly late in the movie where, Oh, okay, here's where we are. Right. Um, and I think this is, you know, it's a credit to writer-director Kelly Freeman Craig. Uh, this was, this is her first, uh, first film she directed. She had previously written um, a short film and then a, a feature called Post 
Brad that was, and I think Pete mentioned this when they were talking about the trailer. Uh, this was uh, back in 2009 with Alexis Bledel oh. uh, about a graduate who then has to move back in with her parents because she's trying to find the right job. All of that. Not a movie I remember much about, uh, but I would say for directing your own script, I think that was the touch that was really needed with this for for Kelly Freeman Craig to to know this story, to be really un- to understand these characters and be able to bring that to life with these actors. And uh, what a great cast that she, she put together with this, uh, you know, to, to get this cast. But again, I think uh, in doing a little bit of research, this was a pro this was a spec script that she had sent uh, to James L. Brooks, sort okay. of, you know, thinking this is, you know, this is somebody that has inspired her and she took a shot. And this is one of those rare stories where, where it came off. And when you get somebody like that to, to be attached to your project can really help get things done correctly. Yeah. I think that you mentioned the cast. I I don't think there's a weak link in it. I mean, and I didn't know everybody uh, coming to it and uh, in particular Hayden uh, Zito playing Irwin. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought he was fantastic. Of course he was 31 when they made this movie, but beyond that, I mean, (laughs) just, I, I just was so impressed with the cast and I, I, I really applaud the script. I think the script was really well written and it shows that she was really well connected with her actors to get this sort of complicated or, or complex humor delivered in a way that was entertaining the whole way through. I, th- I thought it was spectacular. Well, it's a, it's a unique take on a story for a sort of teenage comedy drama. We, we don't have, you know, it as you're going through, it's really very much a character piece about Nadine. We don't have a, a big plot of like, oh, getting ready for the prom with everybody push, every, all the stories pushing towards one pivotal moment. It's really a character-centered piece. It's not about, uh, oh, the meet cute and we're going to see how this relationship plays out. It's really about Nadine and the journey that she goes on, which I think can make it a bit of a challenging film if you're expecting something lighter, if you're expecting something simpler uh, with this. Yeah, it's not. We have... We have, you know, Nadine and as we briefly discussed, you know, we've got, you know, this point where we see she's got this best friend, Krista, that they've known each other a long time. And we see that uh, Nadine loses her father um, and the dynamic set up early on that she and her mother don't get along. Her brother is like, you know, Mr. Perfect. Everything goes her way, his way. And all she's got is her dad. Right she really connects with she loses him and then we jump forward several years later she's she's making it through but it's it's krista is really that foundational relationship it's just that's the only person in her life and when she loses krista to her brother um that's when i think nadine's world starts unraveling and throughout this we we do have these these great scenes with um her teacher mr mr bruner uh, played by Woody Harrelson, and the dynamic between those two is, I think, just one of the one of the joys in this movie for me because they're so smartly written. There's there's sarcasm between the Constant. two. Constant she comes sarcasm. in. She she comes in. She is always there at lunch because she has no one else, and he, you know, will just throw the sarcasm right back at her, and it's this this banter back and forth between the two of them. Hey, so uh, just a heads up, but yesterday when you were giving your lecture, you were like, oh, blah, 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 then the North seceded from the Union. 
You meant to say the cell seceded? You accidentally said the exact opposite. I didn't want to raise my hand and be, excuse me, these kids are pretty confusable. Just thought maybe you'd want to know. Oh, hey. Yeah. <clears throat> Great catch. Yeah. Now, I know that it was a long lecture and we probably don't recall, but uh, was there any point during it where you thought to yourself, gosh, I wonder what it's like to actually have a life? Nope. No, I was too concentrated on how you're effing the whole thing up, so. Well, I understand that, but just know that I haven't given up hope. Not yet. Okay. You start to see he's aware of the role that he's playing in her life. Yeah. And we get that much, much later on. But it's at first, it's, oh, it's these lighter moments when we're dealing with, you know, the drama at home with her brother and losing her best friend to her brother. And then, of course, drama with mom, who, you know, is this, the challenges of a single parent. We have all of those things going on with, with Nadine trying to hold her life together and everything slipping through her fingers. And everything culminates in a really bad decision she makes with, you know, the the hot guy that came back from juvie. Um, <laughs> wait, and, wait, is there, he did come back from juvie? I didn't notice that. I didn't that, know he was a that's bad something guy, too. That, is that hidden well, in there? He was, it's, it, it's early on when uh, Nadine and Krista, they're, they're just talking. And she's like, oh, no, no. yeah, no, they just talk. She's like, oh, my gosh, he's so much hotter since he came back from juvie. <laughs> yeah. So he's sort of the, I wonder if that was like the bad boy. Too. I don't know. I, I thought it's, that it's, it's scene, hard to, the re, yeah. well, first of all, it holds up because it's a social media trip up, right? She puts something explicit over social media as an invitation to this yeah. bad guy. And it holds up because it, though it's not the same as the world is, you know, even three years later, those, the, the issues are still there. So I think that's amazing that it holds up in that way. And then the way it's experienced both from the teenage girl and from the teenage boy's perspective, it seems very real. Um, it, it seems like something that would actually happen and you, it, it's not something that's likable. It's a super awkward position that they, that they've actually unfortunately put each other in and they're reacting to one another and it of course breaks down because it's terrible and she does it impulsively when she feels lonely and terrible but it's just right. the fact that it's examining that and the fact that it does it in such a smart way is is really special about this movie and those kind of things don't usually hold up they, it, even for three years they, those kind of things usually are of the moment and then they're gone and this is a really nice uh, it's a nicely written scene that can that can really resonate with kids even today. Yeah, and I it I, I really appreciate what you're you know what you're latching onto in there is that it's it's his side as well because he's got this line where he's like ah oh, you know I should have listened to my friends and it's not that I didn't hear him, him say that, that that's human, great yeah it gives him that human side too of okay here's this girl she's throwing herself at me she sends me this really explicit text message and he's like okay and then we get that side of just there's so many great silences in that scene where she's like she finally says no and he's like fine and then he's just there and he's just stewing and like what is he supposed to how is he supposed to react to her and we get that sense of you know everybody sort of thinks nadine's a little bit of a psycho because she just is so impulsive and making all these bad decisions and it's he's he's not the bad guy in the scene i mean he he 
he starts to put a move on her. She's like, no. Then she feels bad. She starts kissing him on the neck. So he starts moving in again. And she's like, no. And then she mocks his car. <laughs> Inadvertently. And, and that's the thing. <laughs> Inadvertently. By being specific. That, and that oh, is I, the here great we are. <laughs> thing about this script. Because she, it, it, and Haley Steinfeld delivers it so perfectly. She is this character who would, in an ironic way, bring up the specificity of his old used car, which I don't, I had an Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme when I was in high school that was completely mockable in the same kind of way. I loved it, and I would have probably taken it personally in the same way that he did. But she delivers this line where it's completely just ironic, specific. It's just consistent with her character, and he takes it, uh, he takes it as a as a as mocking, and it's so perfect, and it's delivered really well. That that scene really highlights how well written and how well performed this script is in this movie. Wait, it's a Mercury Marquis. Mercury Marquis. Uh, Mercury Marquis. And of course, yes. if, you're, if you're Nadine, of course you re- remark about the fact that you're sitting pulled up to a dumpster in a Mercury Marquis for the for literally the first time she's ever kissed a boy. And he's, but the stuff she said in her social media post was a lot more racy than that. So, yes. What, yeah, yeah. It's a wonderfully yes. awkward and terrible teenage situation. It has so many of those true moments. The other when she's on the Ferris wheel with with Irwin and she (laughs) just a great moment where she's like, oh, tell me about your parents. Oh, wait, wait, let me guess. And then then spools out a bunch of things and then thinks, oh, my gosh, did that just come off as horribly racist? Because, you know, Irwin's, you know, clearly have some Asian descent there. And she's like, am I throwing these stereotypes out? He's like, no. And then awkward moment and then he moves in to kiss her and it's just the worst it's the worst most awkward thing they also have another awkward moment when she's over at his house in the pool yeah i mean it's just the awkwardness of teenagers trying to trying to be mature trying to make smart choices for themselves and it just back trying to learn the difference between flirting and yes uh, affiliating i mean that's the thing yes i I mean i think nadine sees it as just you know sort of playful affiliation in Irwin's case and right but he they don't know each other they like and and we think about what it's like to be a teenager and you rush everything you you move to the state of intimacy in such a short amount of time because you're only in high school for either three or four years so you're experiencing uh a lifetime of uh, those attempts at affiliation and flirtation and really becoming a, a grown up in such a short amount of time. This movie does such a good job of showing that. And again, it is the teen story. I don't think, I, I don't know. Did you, did you take away any parenting lessons from this movie? No, no. Well, the parents, I mean, cause the parents make bad mistakes and that's the other yeah. part of this dynamic is Nadine is being that teenager, but then her brother Darian has been forced to grow up early. And there's a great scene where, you know, Nadine and her mom have gotten into that fight and Nadine takes the car and takes off. And that's, this is when she's running off to her, her date with the bad boy in the Mercury Marquis. And Darren comes home and, and mom is just like, you know, ready to throw everything of Nadine's out of the house. And he's trying to calm her down. And she's like, look, I'm the parent here, you know? And he's like, well, then why do you always call me? Right. You know, and it's like, she's, she's, he's her go-to person he's the dad surrogate he's the he's the dependable one and we see that all throughout uh as much as nadine you know is just offended by everything about him he's been forced to grow up and just be the responsible one in the family because mom isn't mom takes off with the dentist uh 
who's married, we later find out. So mom's not making smart choices. Nadine just has trouble communicating with people. And so Darian's like the foundation for that family. Everyone so is coping the, in their own yes. way. And they're doing it in a, very slop with very sloppy results. Exactly. So I guess the I mean the parenting skill is don't treat your teenagers like they are adults. That, don't put that on them. That's because true. you know, we 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 don't really get a lot insight into to Darian and how he's carrying that, but there is one at one point where he and Nadine get into a fight and Nadine talks about this, tells the story of when I think it's like the the day of or the night they lost their dad and how she, you know, heard Darian crying and just horribly, you know, tears soaking his pillow and that she swapped pillows with him. Right. And then she decides to throw that in his face and say, well, I wish you loved me that much. Mm. And the, and honestly, from an emotional perspective, yeah. I don't think yeah. that's throwing that in his face because she really believes that she really wants that. Right. No, she does. You know, she and does, that's the he, thing. He, like, yeah. they, they have such an inability to communicate because everyone is right. dealing with these different coping skills. It's like, yes, that's and true. Again, it just goes back to how well the yeah. script is written, because this is all very real. This is the kind of stuff you people do when they're coping with trauma like this. And it's it's touch and go. It's touch and go all through those years. And I, you know, it's it's scary for me. I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. So I'm thinking about what's what's coming up for them. And I'm just trying to, you know, lay the groundwork to make them feel as comfortable and adjusted as possible so that they don't have to go through this kind of coping skills. But life is sometimes inevitable. There's not a whole lot you can do. You have to figure out a way to get through. Right. And I think that comes down to... You know, again, the relationship with the teacher and when she has her, her night goes horribly wrong. The date goes horribly wrong. She runs off to the donut place and she calls somebody Yeah, and we get sort of the reveal, you know, she's in there. We hear the, the door chime and she looks up and it's like, and it's been set up where, you know, it's probably not mom. It might be her brother that's come to get her because we nah. know he's been out looking for, her. but when Woody Harrelson walks in there, it's like, okay, we, we know who the she seizes the the stable one, even right. though she mocks him all the time. And we get some insight into his family life, which is completely different. Yep. You know, it's I think every student goes through that point where you see your teacher as one person, if you ever encounter them in their real life out with family or something like that. And she gets that insight by seeing, oh, he has a wife and he's got a little kid. He's got this this happy family and he's happy at home. He's yep. got a nice relationship with his wife. He's, you know, not a disgruntled, angry loner. Right. He's a, he's a contented, you know, family man. But when he drives her home and it's, it's this writing again with the sarcasm where he basically says, well, you know, there's, you know, we both know there's one thing that you need to do right now. <laughs> Get out of my car. Right. Um, but the, the sort of the subtext behind that is she's got to go in the house. Yeah. She, you know, he's driven her home. She's, she's got to get out of his car. She's got to walk into the house and she's got to deal with these things, right. which she's been avoiding. You know, it's, that's the message I'm taking away from this is he's telling her, you've got to confront this. You've got to go pe be part of that family and figure out how to make this work by saying sarcastically, get out of my car. It, it, yeah. And it has a little bit of that Aaron Brockovich feeling where the people that she has to rely on to get to where she needs to be are also, if you look at it objectively, potentially threats in her life too. And the beauty of the, both stories, one of the things I love about Aaron Brockovich and one of the things I love about this story is that all the characters and all the people in these stories, really the people characters in these stories have the courage to make the connection, to reach out in a situation where it, it, it could end poorly in, in lots of different ways, but they have the courage to, to ask for help and the help 
comes to them and they're able to overcome through it. And that's that was one of the things that I thought was really great in the story. We often talk about who who's a who's the audience for this movie, and I don't. I, I know it's not. Well, is it teens? Is it parents? Is it people that are in between? That it's a nostalgic look at high school in a realistic way. That's sort of uh, nice to like look back and see how you've grown past that. Um, you know, wh- where do you see this one falling? Because I think that maybe the struggle with a film like this that is so smartly written and has these great characters with complex things who is that real specific audience to connect with well i would think teens for sure uh, especially intelligent teens who review art it with a with a very sort of discerning eye because they're going to like the dialogue they're going to like the uh, depiction i think it's real for us maybe I, I and i might be too old to really understand if it's real for today's teen so maybe i shouldn't speak that way but i think that is a great eye the other thing is i think if you like uh, romantic comedies or uh, ro- dramedies. If you're an adult who likes dramedies, this movie is going to resonate with you too. Um, when I think about it, this kind of going back to another trailer rewind movie. Who did you think would have been the right audience for The Bachelors, for example? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because that. yes, because yeah, I think same. It, it works both ways, and I think this movie is superior yeah. to The Bachelors. You know, I didn't like The Bachelors as much, but I think this. This is the same sort of thing where you're getting a lot of that drama and then you have this sort of uh, clever, clever dialogue throughout. And I'm a big fan of clever. Clever goes a long way with me. Um, if if you like that sort of thing, this movie is going to be great for you. Um, and I think so. I think it does work for adults. Um, but a lot of uh, sort of maybe uh, mainline or uh, people who think of uh, mainstream movies as adults are going to see this and just think it's a it's a teens movie, too. Yeah, and I I think this I mean th- this type of movie is right in my wheelhouse. And as I've been saying for years, it's like a it's another golden age for teens. Of except we've got more than John Hughes. You've got so many you know solid you know writers and directors that are treating teens respectfully and and their problems and challenges. And I think that's one of the great things with you know in the character of Nadine. It's it's the universal plight of of the american teenager of you know feeling alone and and disconnected and things don't go your way all of the time that oh my gosh there's so so many great moments just you know praying to god about how everything just goes wrong and then no toilet paper i mean yeah but then layered in with everything that's contemporary for teens that they're going to identify with you know the the text messaging all of those things where it's it's integrated well and it it still feels timeless because it's just that's the means of communication now and it works for me it, it works well yep. with this and i think we're able to take those those contemporary devices and put them into this you know character piece and it works so well to give us everything that we need to see the struggles um the Nadine faces. It is what's great is it. There's not a lot of total pop culture references. There's a there's a Napoleon Dynamite piece. Uh, you know, I early on it. with her with her hair when she's holding up the magazine oh. with Pedro. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. Napoleon Dynamite. Right, and she's just like, yes, I look exactly like Pedro. What else could go wrong in her life? I remember. So that it's now. not. It's it. And I guess you pick something like Napoleon Dynamite, which in of itself is sort of a you know, sort of cultural touchstone for kids that, you know, 10 years down the road, I think people will still know who know, know that movie. It's, it's a classic or, 
or those intelligent teens are going to be aware of that film, but it's not going to be one of these where you look at it and say, Oh, the, the dialogue feels so much of an era because it's using little, you know, phrases of that time. It's, it's able to really stride that, that line between the universal, but still being relevant for teens where they can, they're going to identify with specific things. I, I don't know what year this movie takes place in it. We don't, we don't give us. I don't either. Setting. It is. Well, yeah, it is. Which, it does take place in Oregon. I'll tell you that. So okay, Manzanita, okay. where she goes with the dentist is on the coast oh, of yes, Oregon. Right. And the phone number, whose phone number is it? Is five, four, one, which is out state out, out of the, okay. out of the city, which is great. Although it, it was very clearly filmed in California, uh, by a number of different <laughs> things when you have the yeah. Newport address on the wall and things like that. But it wasn't a problem. Oh, yeah. I, I really liked that. Yeah. Um, you said that this movie's in your wheelhouse. Have you seen with uh, Haley Lou uh, Five Feet Apart? No. Five Feet Apart just would... was just out this year. Haley Lou Richardson. Yeah, that's the one with the the kids with cystic uh, fibrosis. Fibrosis, and they can't. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that one's a, that one's a little too much melodrama for me. And I it think is. That's... It's more melodrama <laughs> and it's more tragic. It it digs yeah. much deeper. It, um. But it's meant to, and it's uh, it's for the same sort of crowd. And I will tell you, I really like Haley Lou Richardson. I think she's fantastic. And you know, we've got Haley Steinfeld as the lead in this movie, and she's yeah. already kind of a bona fide superstar, right? I mean, she's right. a multi yes. multi art uh, performer. She does music. She does all, and she's fantastic in this movie. And it, so I, I will leave her at that. But Haley Lou Richardson is is coming up, and this movie Five Feet Apart was was really great. It's a little bit mellow dramatic and there's some points in it that you get kind of frustrated with how the story mm -hmm. takes it and seems very you know unrealistic but it's that kind of teen melodrama and if the if this is in your wheelhouse i really and if you liked Haley lou richardson i think it would be a great movie to go see because i'm only familiar with her with the other movie she was in in 2016 as one of the cheerleaders in split yeah that's right gosh that's amazing that she was there too yeah i think she's gonna do a lot so, of a lot of things i think she's gonna be really good no, i think yeah I, like we said all the performances here it's it's the right people the right just everything is so spot on it's so great to see and refreshing to see a movie like this that is i think smart writing the performances are right there. It's one that, um, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to be watching it all of the time, but I could imagine like my 15 year old self really enjoying this movie. Yeah. Uh, tremendously. But it reminds me of things like I'll always come back to like me and Earl and the dying girl. Sure. Um, eighth grade from last year. Uh, again, just, you know, really being respectful of teens and giving weight to their, uh, you know, the challenges of, you know, the, the darkness and to, to show them that, it's possible to get through these things that, you know, how devastating these things are. You, you will survive. You will endure. You will make it to the other side of these. And things. we end up seeing a lot of movies like this on trailer rewind. And I think a lot of that yeah. is because, you know, this is a $9 million budget made $14 million on the screen. Yeah. They're not ones that, uh, definitely grownups like us would go to choose to go see. I was kind of surprised that I went and saw Five Feet Apart in the theater. But the the thing about it is, is that they're available on Netflix. And we'll, we've done, you know, Lean on Pete. We've done, we talk about The Bachelors. Yeah. We've, talk, we've talked about these kind of movies. They are available on streaming services. And it's a great thing for kids of that age. I would say anywhere from maybe 15 to 22 could really enjoy oh, yeah. seeing this movie. So I, I, I'm going to recommend it to people. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of 15 to 22 year olds, but um, 
<laughs> I'm going to recommend it to people as something again, one of those surprising movies that we that we've found through Trailer Rewind. Also, we didn't mention Kira Sedgwick. Um, you know, talking oh, about the gosh. mom played by Kira Sedgwick. I love Kira Sedgwick. Uh, she this is an interesting role for her because I feel like she always kind of plays a likable person, and she's really a mess uh, in this movie and it's really hard to like her um but again i think she does a great job with the material um plays a layered role of a mom who cares but also is struggling with her own uh, coping of the tragedy that's in her life i was really happy with her in this yeah that's that's one scene that really you know there's these moments and there's just that, that one scene at the office with mom where we sort of this is the this is the breaking point for Nadine where she, that's where she takes off. But the nature of that argument and how we we start off with just Nadine being Nadine, and then slowly building um, to the point where Mom finally breaks and 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 pulls out like, like the most brutal the the deepest of of cuts. To say, you know, because she knows, because it starts with, you know, a comment about her husband and then Nadine takes offense like, well, you can get a new husband. I can't get a new dad. If my husband had any idea what I was going to have to deal with. I love how you refer to him as your husband. He is my husband. You can run off and get a new husband. What he is, is my dad. Can't you just say that occasionally? Fine. We're not talking about him right now. Because it's just too upsetting. It's just too hard and too sad, and it gives me a cluster headache. I know. Oh, my God. You have no compassion. Actually, I'm just bored because I know everything you're going to do before you do it. Sure you do. Oh, you don't believe me? No, I don't. I'm going to write down the next thing you're going to say to me. I'm not going to play your little little games, games, Nadine. Nadine. Congratulations. Mm. All right, you know what? Here's something you're not going to guess. Hmm. Your dad would be so disappointed in the way you're turning out. She, I mean, that's a that's a mom. She she knows, and it can be. It's, like, a, it's a mom it, who's it, acting like a child. Let's say that first yes. of all. No, exactly, because we're now operating in teenager mode. Mom is right. operating at the level of Nadine, and it's like, well, you hurt me. I'm going to do everything I can to hurt you, and she pulls out the the big guns on that one, and it was just. Yeah, it's it's these dynamics. And it's that, also indicative um, of Nadine throughout the story. She doesn't realize, yes. as a teen, she doesn't realize how much the things she says, the way she acts, affects other people. Um, and that's where Woody Harrelson's role is so wonderful because he's seemingly immune to it, right? So we get that sort of control. And then all these other people are so greatly affected by Nadine because she's morose. She's she's going through life and she's really, the, her coping skill is trashing everyone around her. And she doesn't yes. realize that. And that's really the arc that her character goes through this um, that she understands her power and she kind of turns it around and starts using it for good I think I think yes. it's a beautiful story yeah. for uh, teens dealing with trauma yeah so so based on your glowing reviews there where does this end up for you on your flick chart well before we talk about that I want to say one other thing so um, okay 
All right. One thing I want to make sure that we talk about, I, I did have a favorite camera shot in this movie. I don't always oh, yes. have a favorite camera shot, um, but true. there were a lot of very subtle, and I like that they're subtle, but they're all so artful shots in this movie that are kind of like candy. And if you go back and review a second time, which I don't know that you or I are, uh, are going to do through this, but uh, there's a scene where uh, when Krista is with Darian, they've already separated from Nadine. Nadine is sitting and watching TV. I can't remember what she's watching on TV. She's watching... A cartoon, I think. Gosh, I don't remember. But she's sitting and watching a TV, laying down on the couch. And Krista and mm-hmm. Darian come in, and it starts with a wide shot. And you see them come into the stairwell, and it stays on them. But then it goes back to Nadine, who's our main character, right? This is her story. And in right. the shot, you've you've got a, a clear resolution, tight focus on Nadine's face. And through the bars of the stairwell, you can see Krista's legs and Darian's legs oh, as yeah. they pause on the staircase to basically regard Nadine, but they're separated at the point and then they just Mm -hmm. go up and as they go up the camera then moves uh, on the z-axis so going up it and then tilts down and also then widens out and the camera in this movie tons of times was using isolating nadine in a scene by herself with a wide shot to show how alone she felt and this Mm -hmm. from that moment gave us how close these super important people were in her life oh yeah and as they walk away how she just is left with this empty feeling and it's done by the movement of the camera it's beautiful it's i mean it's super short this whole sequence is maybe uh, 15 to 20 seconds but it's uh, this is the kind of stuff that I see as sort of brilliant subtlety in movies and you don't get that in everything. So this, in this little teen movie, I mean, I had multiple times that I was blown away. That was my favorite, favorite shot because the camera move meant something to the story. And I loved that. So I definitely want to talk about that. Being aware of things like that makes the end even more so when you, when you notice it's, it's at the, at the film festival and she's, you know, there as sort of like, well, I'm going to try to make things up. Uh, so I'm going to go to the early morning film festival and all of that and, and see Irwin's film. And then she and Irwin have a have a have their discussion a moment. But then he invites her over to the friends yeah. and he, he walks in and she sort of backs up yep. to, to stay outside the circle. And he grabs her and pulls her in to be part of the circle now, and are, everything. And are then you going to share we this movie with the, your girls? Oh, yeah. So yes, if you watch it yeah. again, I think they did a trick in that scene. So as he reaches back okay. and invites her into the circle, which is just a beautiful, just subtle blocking thing to show how much she's changed. I believe they put a light on her. And I oh, and I would probably. love to know if yeah. throughout the film she's sort of gaunt and dark because it is yeah. a really warm yellow light. And it is as if yeah. it's even making me emotional to just talk about it. it is as if the sun rises on Nadine in that moment. Yes. And it's the final. I mean, it's, yeah. the, it's the end of the movie. It's the final thing we're going to see. Right. And how wonderful to go through this whole thing with Nadine and then for her to join here like you're talking about. What a great step. And to do it in what feels like a practical way. And if they didn't put a light on it. Gosh, Haley Steinfeld sure decided to glow in that <laughs> moment because it was fantastic. Yeah, and that's that's and it, that's the other part is it ends right when it needs to. Yeah, because it's not about necessarily a boy saving her or having to be in a relationship, giving her life meaning or anything. It's it's stepping in and being part of a community. It's community. It's, it's, I love it. Yep, you know, not being alone anymore because as we as you said, yeah, the, that you know shot. Uh, 
Yeah, for sure. She is so isolated. Even when people are near her, she is alone. And now she is, you know, stepping in and and engaging in conversation with a group of people. So, yeah, I will. I will take a look. Um, Yeah, because my oldest comes home next week, and we may. It may be it may be uncomfortable with some <laughs> well, of the explicit yes. language, but right. we will we will and the subject we will matter be grown ups, and we will we will get through that. Yes, we will. Good. Okay, all right. So yeah, flick chart. Okay, where where are you going to put this one? It's where pretty did it end up? weird, and it's funny that you bring up Split. <laughs> I did I didn't remember that Haley okay. Richardson was in that, but she's like one of my new favorites. But Split is my midway point. So Split is the thing oh, that okay. always puts something on the top of the bottom. So I didn't put it over mm. Split. So it goes down a little bit, but not too much farther. Uh, it's number one hundred nine out of two hundred, and it, okay. you know you think about this as a twenty sixteen. It's a young person movie. It is just yeah. below the abyss. I mean, how do you you can't this and the abyss? They're two <laughs> completely different realms. And then wow. above yeah. National Lampoon's Vacation. So you've got like these two classics of of genre movies that are totally grown up movies, and it's sandwiched in between there. And really, the reason that I put it over Vacation is because I value clever more than I value funny. And I do think Vacation is funny, but this is so clever and deserves some respect there. So I put it at one hundred nine out of two hundred. How about you? Okay, mine's mine's a little higher than that. Oh, I, good. My, my entry point at flick chart right now is Elf, ah, which okay, I really enjoy. But again, I think it's the the which is a fun movie, and and you know, Edge of Seventeen is it's hard to say it's a fun movie, but it it's a more rewarding view. Again, I'll probably watch Elf. That becomes a Christmas classic. I'm not going to watch Edge of Seventeen, but I always give more weight to a story that's going to tackle something. Like this that's got it's got something important to say. It's it's, I think, going to be valuable to people. Uh, so it ended up in a really strange place. Uh, number 94. Okay. Just above Dodgeball, which is one of my <laughs> all-time favorite comedies. But then just below a film I watched last week, um, Leave No Trace, which is at number 93. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's Ben Foster, yeah, so, right? Yeah. 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 So, Love but this guy, is, too. I mean, my top hundred, it's getting pretty tight up there. And then just above that is Sing Street, which <laughs> I could say, okay, yes, yes, there we are. We're right in the, this is the little bit of the darker side, but still about, you know, those, you know, sort of growing pains. So for me, this one falls, I think, full on into like four star territory. Yeah. I'm me. doing three and a half one. for me too. I, okay. I was a three before we had this conversation and I'm realizing that I liked it a lot more than that. Um, I'm sure that the algorithm would put me at about three, but I think it's three and a half for me. It's tough to compare it to the other movies that I have in that sort of three, three and a half range, but it's, it's deserving of a view. I think that if these kind of movies, you mentioned they're in your wheelhouse. If you like these kind of movies yeah. at all, this is going to be a good movie for you. Oh yeah. I, I'd say anybody that, as you said, I think anybody in that age range, age range is going to Enjoy this movie again. It's it maybe it's one to to watch on your own. Maybe be a loner sure. like Nadine and watch this one. I don't know. That this is like get a group of friends together and watch this one because it it may unearth some some emotions in in some people. And you know, I I think that for teens, maybe just when you're feeling like you just want to spend some time with a close friend, maybe Nadine can be that awkward close friend for you. Well, I like that you mentioned uh, you John Hughes this. because I think that this has yeah. the it has the clever. It has that John Hughes clever gene in it. Um, it's yeah. a little bit more uh, all over the place. You know, John Hughes is a little bit more singular and focused. But this, um, but this is maybe something like a 2016 version of a John Hughes movie. I love it. Yeah, a, a brand new 16 candles. There we go. <laughs> 2016. 
All right. Well, everyone out there, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. It helps other film fans discover us. And if you want to support us on Patreon, hey, you're joining a great community of film fans, including some that are really into film as art and some that just really enjoy entertaining movies. We'd love to have you join the community. Uh, heading over to Patreon, you can always check out our SatMat episodes that are that are being posted there now if you want to get a taste of the various types of things that uh, we talk about in the whole next real family of films because we've got the film board going on we've got the trailer rewind we've got the big show with andy and pete doing their ingrid bergman series right now so all that comes together and sam oh and the marvel movie minute yeah we got so much stuff going on here uh so it's a great way to get sort of a sampler plate of the buffet of things here at the next reel so i always want to give a special thanks to pete we made it tough for him tonight giving him something to, to edit together <laughs> make us sound good thank you pete we always appreciate thanks, it Doc. jj it's always a pleasure thanks man see you on the next one ando i love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows steve and jj on trailer rewind ray and ocean on silver linings even tommy's short-lived no no wait hear me out and so many films they've discussed started out as a book a play or even a tv series well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.